it's Thursday, and welcome back to yet another episode of Days of the New. Nick, how the hell are you? Hey, Kevin, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good this morning. How's things in North Carolina? Uh, doing pretty good this afternoon, enjoying my first beer of the day. Uh, I am foregoing the brown liquor because my wife is home. Also, it's 1 o'clock p.m., so hey, good for you, man. <laughs> yeah, man, New Year, same shitty me. Yeah, today we have got a continuation of our episode on Stained, where we are going to be focusing on the career of Aaron Lewis. If you know us, you kind of know where we stand, and I don't want this to be just a rage episode. I want to have some fun with it. We're going to have a good time. Nick, are you ready to have a good time? Yeah, I mean, do, do your best, man. Give me what you got. On September 11th at 8.46 a.m., Five hijackers belonging to the terror group Al-Qaeda crashed American Flight 11 into the World Trade Center's North Tower. 57 minutes later, another five hijackers crashed United Airlines Flight 175 into the South Tower's southern facade. By the day's end, 2,763 people lost their lives, and where the World Trade Center stood was a seven-story pile of rubble. It was a day that would forever scar the national psyche, a day that would launch us into a forever war, and a day that our nation lost what little innocence it had left. It's difficult to imagine that only a year prior, on a crisp, clear September night, Limp Bizkit stood atop the South Tower, filming the music video for Roland. I completely forgot that they shot that video on top of the World Trade Center. If ever there was a moment that captured the spirit of new metal and the excitement of what untold wonders a new millennium held in store, it was Fred Durst's goofy-ass dancing on top of the World Trade Center. Oh, man. Yeah, and this, that's obviously the moment like when Fred Durst and Limp Bizkit truly transformed completely into cartoon characters. All that aside, on September 6th of 2001, Roland would go on to win the MTV Video Music Award for Best Rock Video. And on September 10th, Durst would receive a letter from representatives of the World Trade Center congratulating Limp Biscuit on the win and thanking them for letting the Twin Towers be part of their legacy. I'm fucking real. <laughs> on the 11th, as night descended and search efforts were suspended, a dull feeling of helplessness, of hopelessness, collectively overtook every person in the United States. And while we all stared dead-eyed never-ending news reports, something much, much more sinister was taking root, and it didn't take long to bear its rotten fruit. We'll put a boot in your ass, it's the American way, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list and a statue. Oh yeah, the birth of the right-wing protest song. There it is. On May 27th of 2002, country recording artist Toby Keith released the single, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, parentheses, The Angry American. And that was featured on his seventh studio album, Unleashed. 
Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue is a masterclass in jingoistic, xenophobic, nationalist propaganda. It's a dogshit song from a dogshit person that exemplifies all the worst parts of America, and naturally it did fucking gangbusters. You know what's kind of funny, though? That Toby Keith was like a very vocal Democrat prior to that moment, contributed to Democratic politicians, and then like rode that song into a new wave of popularity and restaurant chains and shit. Holy shit, I did not know that. Yep, classic grift, baby. He's the godfather of the country music grift. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, probably a little Hank Jr. uh, before him, maybe a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, a pivotal moment for sure. So yeah, this was the opening salvo in the culture war. It just was a long simmer. As time went on and America mended its wounds, uh, this arrogant chest-beating bullshit died down. But it never went away. Keith's pandering uncovered what all musicians spend their lives searching for, a never-ending fountain of money. We've covered grifters on this show before, and while people like Tom McDonald are cashing in on a culture war that the right manufactured themselves are objectively shitty people, I have an exceptionally large amount of space in the part of my brain reserved for blinding hate for one Aaron Lewis. Before we get on to this turd, let's back up to where we left off on our last episode. Stained had just released Dysfunction, which was a modest success, but it wasn't until their sophomore effort break the cycle that they would really make the jump from being just a new metal band into like a full-fledged mainstream commodity. And Break the Cycle is a huge moment in new metal history, and it deserves its own episode. So for this one, we'll kind of be skipping over that to get to the man of the hour. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the real story of Aaron Lewis and his launch to stardom was in between Dysfunction and Break the Cycle. Yep. When Stan appeared on the Family Values Tour, he played out, what's the song? Uh, joined by Fred Durst, who's like kind of singing along. He's feeling those lighters, uh, yo. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and that somehow that shit live recording became just an Huge. absolute smash hit. And that's when everybody was like, this guy's got a great voice. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was the thing where it's like, oh shit, like you can be like sensitive, sensitive. That might've been the first yep. acoustic new metal song. Well, I mean, hey man, every metal band has its ballads, you know? Yeah. For every talk dirty to me, there's an every rose has its thorn. <laughs> Judges will allow it. After Break the Cycle, Stained would go on to release four more studio albums, including the hilariously titled 14 Shades of Grey. You're 36 shades shy of a good spanking there, fellas. (laughs) Yeah, but I have a feeling Aaron Lewis would love nothing more than a good spanking. Because if there's anybody in this world that wants to be a victim more than Aaron Lewis, I'd love to meet them. In July of 2012, Stain breaks up or goes on hiatus or whatever, and everyone goes their separate ways, and Lewis wastes no time on his second career act of country musician. It doesn't start too well. In 2011, Lewis returned to the Webster Theater, which was the same place that Stained had their life-changing gig with Limp Biscuit, and he goes there for his solo show. A review of the show was published in the Hartford Current titled... Crowd drowns out Aaron Lewis during solo show at the Webster Theater. Amazing. The review states that it was a mess thanks to a crowd that barely stopped talking. It was a toxic combination and the Longmeadow natives seemed to know it. So I'll let everyone finish their conversations, Lewis said between songs relatively early in the set. It's pretty fucking loud in here tonight. He finally got people to shut up when he started doing cover songs that included Summer of 69 and Brown-Eyed Girl. 
Holy shit. Yeah. And he said, that's all I got to do is play cover songs. That's pretty disheartening. He still is that guy. Oh, yeah. He's still on, like, the shitty rural casino tour. Dude, the article finishes by saying, after ending the main set with Country Boy, the rugged individualist single from his new EP, Lewis returned to play an encore, asking the crowd to be as quiet as in a church. They couldn't do it. And after waiting a few <laughs> minutes while sitting on his stool, holding an acoustic guitar and looking incredulous, he got up and walked off stage. <laughs> so Aaron Lewis has a track record of this. I'd like to play you uh, a little clip here. What the f is wrong with you? You're a f idiot. something at this stage i'm gonna stop playing i'm gonna point you out and i'm gonna have everybody around you beat the So anyway, there is just a, a long history of Aaron Lewis yelling at his crowd. Almost every show, whether they need to be quiet, whether they need to stop throwing things, because at the end of the day, you're watching this like doughy piece of shit chain smoke and drunkenly play his boring fucking songs, and he loses the crowd like five minutes into the set. They just want to hear him play It's Been a While, and he saves it all the way to the end so he can play his fucking bullshit culture war music. <laughs> Here, you gotta watch this one. This is my favorite one. I need you to be quieter than you've been all night. Or else you're not gonna hear it. I'm only gonna wait for so long and then I'm just gonna say goodnight. I know I have a microphone so you can hear me. You're, you're not gonna hear the song unless it's this quiet. You get it? I'm sorry, I don't know how to speak Spanish. I'm American. Okay, so that particular set is from a 2019 show that he played in Far, Texas. Fun fact, Far sits on the Mexican border. You want to guess what the racial makeup of that town is? Yeah, I'm sure it's largely Hispanic. 94.3% Hispanic or Latino. So... Aaron's doing his thing and he throws his fucking tantrum because, again, the crowd just won't be quiet. So someone in the crowd actually helpfully suggests that Lewis try to quiet them by asking in Spanish. Hilarious. <laughs> and he can't do it because he speaks American. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, I mean, like, the guy has a good voice as far as, like, middle of the road country goes it's more the same but it's not bad you know i mean if he could get people to shut the fuck up and stop being such a touch bag maybe uh he could have rode that out as just a normal ass country artist he releases his full length the road and of course any self-respecting mid-aughts country album wouldn't be complete without a pull yourself up by your bootstraps old timey my daddy and his daddy fought for the flag and didn't complain hard work blah 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 song right yep this one is a track called red white and blue and i'm gonna spare you uh listening to it but it contains such lyrical gems as 
My daddy grew up on the wrong side of poor, rubbing nickels together for heat. Well, he and his sister had barely got by with the clothes and the shoes on their feet. So he joined the service when he was 18 like his daddies and uncles before. He was ready to die for what he believed to fight for what was worth fighting for. Aaron, did you not hear what you just said? The adverb you used was so. So he joined the service, not then he joined the service. Your dad joined the service because he was living in crippling poverty and that was the only viable way out of that living hell, you stupid fuck. <laughs> we always forget that part. Yeah, it's he, he literally writes it. My daddy grew up on the wrong side of poor, so he joined the service. He does that fucking mental gymnastics to he was ready to die for what he believed. What, not being poor? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's pretty clear this guy has a hard-on for the troops. And why is that? Maybe it's because he served. That would make sense, but no. No, he didn't serve. He was off at goldsmithing school. Uh, a 2017 article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, says, Lewis never served his country in the armed forces, but he says he wanted to. I wanted to go to the military when I graduated high school, Lewis says. That was the strongest option I had. But the Lewis family had six brothers, all serving in World War II. Lewis's great uncles, his father, who served in the Army Corps of Engineers during Vietnam, discouraged Lewis from signing up. And that was at the beginning of Operation Desert Storm, Lewis said. Since then, he's felt guilty and tries to let those who serve know he appreciates it. So yeah, he never served, loves the troops, and definitely wants everybody to know he loves the troops in the red, white, and blue. And uh, he stands for something, Nick. Unlike all those vapid fucking pop stars like Christina Aguilera and Cyndi Lauper, who are so stuck up their own assholes that they can't even be bothered to get the words to the national anthem right. In fact, I'm going to let Lewis speak on the matter. I understand how, how people that sing the national anthem can be so fucking self-absorbed that they would try to change that fucking song. If there's a single song in the history of this country that, that deserves no creative interpretation, it's that one. Hey, Nick, you want to hear Aaron Lewis fuck up the national anthem at game five of the 2014 World Series? Extremely. Proudly we hail, we're so gallantly streaming. Who's okay, so for our astute listeners, the correct lyrics are what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. Instead of what so proudly we hailed were so gallantly streaming. Now, I know it seems little, but come on, Aaron. It's the song that deserves zero creative interpretation. <laughs> fucking the asshole. only one in American history. Yeah. Why the fuck was Aaron Lewis singing the national anthem in a game between San Francisco and Kansas City anyway? Because mm -hmm. uh, America. America, that's why. Here's his apology. All I can say is I'm sorry and ask for the nation's forgiveness. My nerves got the best of me, and I am completely torn up about what happened. America is the greatest country in the world. The Star Spangled Banner means so much to so many, including myself. 
I hope everyone can understand the intensity of the situation and my true intent of this performance. I hope that the nation, Major League Baseball, and the many fans of our national pastime can forgive me. He should have just said, to be fair, I was pretty drunk. (laughs) (laughs) But fucking up, and I quote, the one song in the history of this country that deserves no creative interpretation, Lewis still has some thoughts in 2016 on Colin Kaepernick. Absolutely infuriates me, and and it, it makes me even more angry that the NFL, which is so intertwined into this nation, is allowing it to take place. That they're not, they're not, you know, benching him. They're not, you know, uh, financially penalizing him every time he doesn't stand. That is a direct slap against the country that that makes the NFL as great as it is. The rest of the world, for the most part, doesn't even care about football. Their football is soccer. You know, and and for the NFL to just sit back and, and and allow him to do that without any sort of penalty or repercussion, I, I don't understand that. He's invoking his right to to do what he believes. <laughs> but this is where freedom and liberty get a little bit skewed. Your freedom and your liberty to do that, on the reverse side, is my freedom and liberty to not have to deal with it and sure. to not have it affect my life and 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 that's the double that's that's the give and take of freedom is yeah you're free to do whatever you want to do but i'm also free from the consequences of your actions and and that's kind of been lost in the definition of freedom because you know the consequences are the key thing that that everybody just kind of everything gets a little skewed there okay so i got a few things here (laughs) First off, he says this while wearing a t-shirt with a fucking AR-15 on the front of it, because apparently the First Amendment doesn't mean anything anymore, but the Second Amendment is fucking everything, right? Mm. You're free to do whatever you want to do, but I'm free to listen to your actions. That's the fucking point, you piece of shit. The man was kneeling in a silent fucking protest over rampant police brutality in this country. Yep. Like, that's it. The point was, I'm going to kneel. And by doing so, it's going to become a topic of national conversation. Please direct that conversation to why I'm doing this. Instead, it was, Will, that hurts my little fee-fees, and we can't stand for that, and the NFL needs to punish that black man. Yeah, and also, like, this is the same guy who's going to go fucking rant about cancel culture and how you can't say anything anymore. Right, yeah, exactly. This is the same fucking guy that that's 100% like a fucking anti-fucking-masker, fucking piece-of-shit grifter, fucking horse-paste-eating motherfucker. I mean, I, I have an article from the Dallas Morning News. He played a show in Texas this spring after the mask mandate went away, mm-hmm. and he said... uh it's so great to see everybody without a mask on, as the crowd shouted its approval. Taking aim at the science behind masks, he said that he had yet to see a study that proves they are effective at reducing the spread of the coronavirus. 
Meanwhile, authentic Aaron Lewis face masks were for sale at the merchandise store. Shut table. the fuck up. Yes, he's a grifter. He's going to make money off of exploiting people's feelings in any way as possible. Whether that's fear of, you know, getting a communicable disease where people have to wear masks. Yeah, he's going to slap his fucking name on them along with like a fucking thin blue line. Um, here's Aaron Lewis. Uh, I'm sorry. Here's Dr. Lewis giving us some very good medical advice. But, uh, I, it's important to share information with people, right? Yeah. Even if it's wrong. That's the foundation of this country is communicating. Is it? No. I don't, I don't know that anybody's ever said that. It's in, it's in the Declaration of Independence, apparently. So I just had COVID. And, and you're fine. It was in my body for a week. It took a week for me to go from testing positive to testing negative. And you're okay. And at the risk of being called a conspiracy theorist, I took ivermectin and a Z-pack. Two things readily available if they weren't if they weren't locking up all the ivermectin you could get it from any doctor who's they who's they yeah i mean you can get it at any tractor supply store let's just be very clear here ivermectin is a people medicine in addition to a horse medicine it is approved by the fda to treat river blindness and head lice in people and a z-pack is an antibiotic designed to treat a fucking bacterial infection, which COVID is not. Also, how fucking weird is it to hear a crowd like cheer when he says Ivermectin? Like his whole crowd is just full of fucking like Alex Jones listeners at this yeah, point. Yeah, and he's just grifting his way on and he'll say whatever the fuck he needs to. So yeah, I took Ivermectin and a Z-Pack and, and a whole bunch of supplements and I sat in an infrared sauna and I sat in one of those hyperbolic or hyperbaric oxygen chambers and i got a bunch of iv just like all you common folks i just got in my <laughs> infrared chamber and like let's be real okay so like aaron lewis must have felt like shit like this guy took ivermectin and a z-pack and a bunch of supplements and sat in his infrared it's not like he was just oh i tested positive and i don't have any symptoms aaron lewis was sick as fuck right and you know how you can easily fucking prevent severe infection go and get the free and readily available vaccine folks it's free it's just go just do it. Please, for the love of God. You know, or just hop in your hyperbolic, hyperbaric, hy uh, hypochondriac, infrared, infrared gaming chair. <laughs> I sat in my infrared chair and played Call of Duty for seven, eight days, and the, the virus left my body. The stupidest people are also the loudest. So it's no surprise that Lewis can't shut the fuck up about cancel culture, COVID, and pretty much anything that plays to the conservative base. And I could spend this entire season going through what a goddamn grifter hypocrite this guy is. But for the sake of my own sanity and our listeners, I'm just going to touch on some of the greatest hits, starting with my all-time favorite. In 2017, Wes Borland went on the Talk To Me, that's T-O-O-M-E-Y podcast, uh, and 
when the subject of Aaron Lewis came up, I'm just going to play this audio for you because it's the best. Aaron Lewis also came up to me in an airport randomly. I happened to be going back. Uh, I was visiting my parents in Jacksonville and flying back to L.A. And he's like, where are you headed? I just happened to like run into him and hadn't seen him in a while. He goes, where are you headed? And I went, I'm, I'm going home. And he goes, home? And I went, I went yeah, I'm, I'm, I just visited my parents. I'm going back home to L.A. And for the record, I've lived in L.A. longer than I've lived in any other city in my life. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Aaron looks at me, and he, goes, and he kind of turns his chin up, and he goes, no, man, remember where you came from. <laughs> Florida's your home, not L.A. That's home. And I just went, fuck <laughs> you, man. <laughs> And I never talked to him again. Was this after that? Was this before or after his country's uh, country career? Before, way before. Okay. okay. Way before, but that guy is such a dickhead. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. So full of himself, such a dickhead. I wish nothing but the worst for him. Amen. I could not believe the audacity. And just like pretentiousness, especially for somebody that acts like they're like a country boy now and they're from Illinois. Anyway, disgusting <laughs> person. No thanks. See. Well, was not expecting that, man. <laughs> well, no, he's, he's, yeah, I don't want to be a, a sh- talker, but I have no problem talking shit about that guy. He's terrible. The, uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, Oh my God, that was Wes Borland? <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah, no, because he just, the cognitive disconnect of I'm from Massachusetts and now I'm a country boy. And to have the fucking audacity to to walk up to somebody and go, don't forget where you came from. Like, Nick, what's home for you? That's real tough, man, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I grew up obviously in the South suburbs of Chicago. I lived in the city of Chicago for 10 years. Then I moved to Las Vegas, lived there for four years. When I moved to Las Vegas, my parents moved out of the South Chicago suburbs to Indiana. Uh, I moved to Kansas City for five years. I now live in Las Vegas again. Um, I guess if somebody asked me a question, I honestly would consider Las yeah. Vegas home. Um, you know, Chicago has a huge, huge part of my heart. That's where I'm from. Um, but like, I don't get to go home. Like that, if, I don't know if that's like visiting my parents, but they live in fucking Indiana. So like, I don't know. I mean, as we grow up, home has different definitions. Yeah, but this guy can't grow up and he can't get past his own fucking bullshit of like needing to preach to someone. If I ran into you at the airport and you said, hey, I'm going home, uh, I'm going home to Vegas. You know what? Okay, have a safe flight. Right, exactly. That's not my time to be like, actually, let me tell you what I think about what you just Yeah, like, it's not needed. Lewis did fire back during a live performance. He said, I saw this motherfucking bougie motherfucker riding on a fucking golf cart in an airport to his gate. Brother, don't forget where the fuck you're from. You're from Jacksonville, Florida. You're not from Los Angeles, fucking California. You're from Jacksonville. You're a real person. You're not the plastic fucked up people that live in fucking Los Angeles. Fucking California. (laughs) I wonder how often he tours in L.A. And he goes, good to be in L.A. 
Uh, I bet you he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And like also to call him bougie. Aaron Lewis, to call somebody else bougie or elite or whatever, Aaron Lewis makes 40 fucking thousand dollars a show. He makes 40 grand, whether he's doing an acoustic solo show or whether he's with his full band doing like a louder show. Um, you know, he sells a shitload of merch. His crowd is a, you know, a domestic beer drinking crowd. Most of them are stained fans. There, He doesn't really have like real country music fans don't listen to Aaron Lewis. Like his country music is non-authentic. It's it's literally just sound bites set to an acoustic guitar. It's just grifter shit. So his his little literal fan base are culture warriors and fucking 42-year-old stand fans. Like that's it. Yep. Yep. Dude, he fucking he had authentic merch. Let me show you this fucking merch. I have it. See that? I don't kneel. Except to suck the dick of the troops. <laughs> Buy your Aaron Lewis dick-sucking knee pad. He literally sells a shirt that has Uncle Sam with an American flag, and it just says, Aaron Lewis, I don't kneel. <laughs> what a fucking bitch. I found an article on Relator.com. Aaron Lewis of Stain lists his $3.5 million <laughs> Massachusetts mansion. Stained frontman Aaron Lewis is selling his 14,000-foot mansion in Massachusetts so he can move to Nashville to be closer to the country music stream. His 12-acre estate is now on the market for $3.5 million. Lewis bought the home in 2001 from Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Holy Ninja shit. Turtles. Both owners made use of a private fireproof vault, vault area in a barn on the property. Besides the private vault, the barn also has its own three-bedroom apartment in it. <laughs> you want to see what this fucking compound looks like? Holy shit. It features four bedrooms, five bathrooms, and three half-bathrooms. Aaron Lewis's house has eight <laughs> bedrooms. It's got a huge master bedroom suite with an outstanding master bath with a slate steam shower and an overflow <laughs> tub. An exercise room completes the suite. You know, little Wayne has a lyric. <laughs> says got nine bathrooms i can shit all day <laughs> which I, 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 it's like nickelback got a bathroom i can play baseball in <laughs> anytime he wants to call somebody else bougie oh. aaron lewis had eight bathrooms <laughs> it's very impressive the house is so big if you put all the wide plank floorboards together it would go well over a mile i'm just a simple country boy simple country boy with an Olympic-sized saltwater pool in my house. I bought my house from the turtle man. <laughs> Do you want to sleep in my barn, baby Jesus? <laughs> so the bigger and bigger he gets, the dumber and dumber his songs get. And that is evidenced with the ditty, Am I the Only One? And boy, howdy. Aaron Lewis really decided to jump into country music after being advised by his close friend, Kid Rock. Kid Rock let him know that there's a lot of money in this shit, and that's what sparked this. This is what sparked the second career. He has a song called uh, If I Was the Devil, and he played a show that I believe was in Texas. I may be wrong on that. And he changed the lyrics, unannounced, from devil to liberal. Ooh. So the song then became If I Was a Liberal. Ooh. Crowd ate it up. He realized he was on to something, and that's what led him down this path to the song that you want to talk about, Am I the Only One? Yeah, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Let's go, Darwin. <laughs> Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Who thinks of taking all the good we got and turning it back? Hell, I'll be damned. 
I think I'm turning into my old man. You're turning to your old man. Your old man was a hippie pop <laughs> Did he forget? Yes. No, this video is just a guy holding. There's like, a, yeah, a man holding an M16 waving an American flag. At the yeah, sunset. and then it's yeah. just like a montage of Mount Rushmore and shit like that. Uh, while Lewis plays during the apocalypse, I don't know. It, it looks like Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League, wherever he is. Uh, we'll keep rolling. Am I the only one willing to bleed? Take a bullet for being free. Uh, who's going to shoot you, Aaron? Who are you, who are you going to bleed for? Who are you going to fight? Uh, the cops? The soldiers you sing about all the time? Like, uh, that's what I was... Come and take it. So you are going to shoot cops. That's what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Uh, also, if he was ready to take a bullet and shoot for being free, nothing stopped you from signing up for the army, Aaron. Yeah, bro. National Guard's still yep, there. Yep. No, gold. Am I the only one willing to get singed at Goldsmith School? <laughs> Am I the only one with a hyperbaric chamber? <laughs> when I sit in my infrared sauna at night, thinking about the soldiers that fight. <laughs> the other funny thing is, he, he it's not like he just, he was so angry he had to write this song. He has two fucking co-writers on this piece of shit. Which realistically means he probably didn't fucking write any of it. He probably has a fucking songwriting credit, even though it was ghostwritten by these two yeah, other well, people. Yeah, and the whole fucking, all, every stanza is, is Dr. Seuss, Mother Goose, Cat in a Hat, fucking rhyming <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> all right, let's see what else he's got to say. Screaming what the hell in my TV. Okay, so. Uh, so the part where he says, He's screaming what the hell at his TV is the same time that there's somebody holding up a Black Lives Matter sign in the music video at that exact Yeah, we're moment. just taking the hood right off on this one. Burning on the ground, another statue coming down in a town. Yep, that's right. He's, he's oh, hang on, he literally says uh, the statues are coming down and that's unraveling old glory. So I'm not sure what part of the confederacy has to do with old glory but the statues that came down across the country were the vast majority confederate statues put up in the united states that were erected during the civil rights movement as an intimidation tactic to black folks about that statues thing in a set at uh charl in charleston west virginia he said on stage all those statues they were all democrats all of them it's funny how they're trying to erase their own history it's their history. It's not the fault of America in any way, shape, or form. The scars of America are not the scars of America. They're the scars of the Democrats. So every time, because obviously, like, we all fucking, if you took a basic history class, you know that the political parties switched platforms during the Civil Rights Era. Uh, or I'm sorry, pre a little previous to that, after Reconstruction and whatnot. So, like, the best argument that I can give is every time they're like, well, you know that the KKK, they were all Democrats. Like, okay, cool. David Duke was the grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Who did he yeah, vote for? It's, it's, it's a bullshit argument. And also, if they were all Democrats, why do you fucking care? Right. Tear them down. Yeah, regardless of political party, Americans did a lot of really shitty things to a lot of people in the past. 
And it's important that we can talk about it versus passing laws that say that we cannot talk about it, which is what people like Aaron Lewis have been advocating for ever since they originally got upset that taking down statues is erasing history. Now in Florida and Texas and a lot of other places, it's literally illegal to talk about civil rights issues in schools. Yeah. So, yeah. Man, that dude from Australia is going to love this episode. Am I the only one not brainwashed? Making my way through the land of the lost. See Am I the only one not brainwashed? Bro, you literally ate horse paste. <laughs> <laughs> like, you literally were just convinced vaccines are bad. I'm going to take the horse medicine. Oh, so, my God. Just yeah. slather my hyperbolic chamber in horse paste. Is it as it is? And worries about his kids as they try to undo all the things he did in my Here's where we get into the they again. They try to undo all the things he did. Uh, Aaron, who exactly is they? And what exactly did you do that's being undid? You drove around in a bus and played new metal. It's not exactly <laughs> shedding your blood for freedom. <laughs> Fucking asshole. If you don't like it, there's a freaking door. After you, Aaron. <laughs> Please. I love that shit. If you don't like it, fucking leave. Bro, your whole platform is how much you don't yeah, like it. Get the fuck out. Hop on out. Am I the only one who quit singing along? Every time they play a Springsteen song. Uh, okay. So he quits singing along whenever anybody plays a Springsteen song. So it's not that anything new that you're upset about, is it, Aaron? Born in the USA was released in 1984. Yeah, yeah. and every time, I think when Reagan tried to use it and Bush tried to use it, when it seems like every single election cycle, a Republican running decides to use Born in the USA as their walk-on music, and every single time they get slapped with a fucking cease and desist by Bruce Springsteen because nobody bothers to understand the lyrics, and if they do, they don't care. He should just change the name of the song to the Insurrectionist <laughs> Anthem. Like, Marjorie Taylor Greene should be in this <laughs> My, That might be her. Just doing fucking CrossFit. <laughs> hey, you can't spell CrossFit without Q. Is there more? Do we have to listen to more? That's Aaron Lewis. Oh my at the god! End of it. The guy. I mean, look. I'm not to say. You know, it's been a while. Sold a million mm -hmm. fucking copies, and you know, people are allowed to have nice things. I don't have any issue with that. I strongly believe that if you work hard and you make a lot of money, you can spend your money yep. however the fuck you want. I just take issue when you portray yourself as a simple man. And I'm better than that bougie LA elitist. <laughs> so Nick, what are you listening to? So I, I was kind of digging this band called Starcrawler. You know, like we talked about in the last episode, extremely heroin music. But the guitar player started a side project called Cash and Sky. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of a kind of a country vibe um, since we're talking about some country shit today. Cue up a little clip for you. We're going to play a song called Sweeping Wet Floors. You had your fun wasting my So that's sweeping wet floors by yeah, Cash really and dope. Sky. Um, 
on my end, and maybe it's because of the research I've been doing for this episode, but I needed something that was going to give me just, you know, a, a little kind of uh, just positivity. So I've been listening to the latest As Friends Rust release uh, called Up From The Muck. And uh, let me give you a little bit of that. We sow but never reap. We rest but never sleep. And those elusive smiles never seem to keep. Uh, I also wanted to roll out a new segment called, uh, if you like that, try this. Um, <laughs> if you genuinely like Aaron Lewis's music, I just want to make a better suggestion for you. Um, I would absolutely suggest um, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. Uh, he's a fantastic human, proud father and husband, good family guy who does a lot of good things for other musicians. I'm going to give you a little clip of his song Cumberland Gap off of his album, The Nashville Sound. It wasn't my daddy's way. Was down in the mines all day. I know I wanted more than mouths to feed and bills to pay. Maybe the Cumberland Gap just swallows you up. Maybe the Cumberland Gap just swallows you up. Damn, that's good. Yeah, Jason Nils was the man. Uh, two dudes that live in Nashville that couldn't be completely more different than each other. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap up the tale of Aaron Lewis. Thank God. Nick, where can they find us? Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Days of the New. That is D-A-Y-Z of the New N-U. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick underscore the underscore knife. You can find me on Instagram at K-J-D-E-L-U-R-Y. And you cannot find me on Twitter because... Uh, you know, I just feel like Poller uh, is just the the more truthful platform. I've been uh, I've been on Gab lately. <laughs> well, just with my fellow like minded patriots. <laughs> That's it for us this week. You can catch us here uh, all the same channels next week. Please go ahead and give us a five star review and uh, uh, you know just yeah. click along, give us a follow, tell your friends. Uh, and that's it. Yep. See you guys next time. Days of the New is a production of Palm Springs 86. You were there. Stop it!